Hi everyone, my name is Annie and I will be reading the scripture passage for this week, which comes from Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 to 23 in ESV. Feel free to follow along in your own Bibles or with the passage on the screen. Once again, Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 to 23. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years older under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. The word of the Lord. It's a blessing to be with you again. Cornerstone family, and uh, I look forward to Christmas along with you, celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and remembering all that surrounds uh, Him as the truth, the way, and the life. Have you ever seen the movie Truman Show? I thought it was fascinating because of the idea it presented, uh, besides being an entertaining movie. The movie was released a while ago in 1998, and Truman Burbank, which is played by Jim Carrey, uh, lived his entire life since even before his birth um, in front of cameras for what is called The Truman Show. And although he remains unaware of this, and he lives for 30 years of his life being filmed by thousands of hidden cameras all over the up, I mean, everywhere in his house and where he goes for to go shopping, whatever it is, his school, they're everywhere. And they, they document his real emotions and uh, responses. Um, and, and then this is broadcast all over the world. Of course, this is the movie. Um, so people can watch in real time what Truman is doing and what he's experiencing. Uh, so this is going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the his hometown, which is um, called Sea Haven, is this set that is erected and built just for the show. And it's um, the people and the places are all the actors and the crew that make up this town. 
and it's built in this dome, this huge dome, um, so that this um, director, which is, his name is Kristoff, he's played by Ed Harris, can control all of these specific events of Truman's life and the situations and circumstances that come up uh, and watch and film Truman's reactions. He even can control the weather because it's in a dome. It's amazing. But the movie is all about then, it picks up at age 30, which is a significant age if you think about it. Uh, at age 30, uh, Truman begins to realize something's off about his life. And he begins to notice certain aspects of his near-perfect world that seem a little bit out of place. And so he begins to test and do things that um, test these uh, circumstances. And it's kind of funny. It's humorous, of course. And as the story unfolds, Truman begins to realize that his life uh, is coming to an end as he knows it. Because he begins to understand that his life has been manipulated by a director who controls all the events of his life. It's an interesting idea because when I think of this, and this comes to mind, when I think about all the stories that surround the birth of Jesus, you know, is, is God manipulating the events of, of all the things surrounding Jesus' birth? Um, is this what the Truman Show writers had in mind when they were writing this idea, this script about somebody being uh, taped uh, you know, filmed over the course of their life unknowingly and all their events manipulated. Um, you know, I don't think this is what Truman Show writers had in mind, but it does get one thinking of this issue of the events of our lives being orchestrated. Well, the stories recorded for us surrounding the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ show how God the Father out of his love, looked out for Jesus and his family by leading the family away from danger just at the right times. And at the right time, God ordered everything according to his plan uh, for Jesus to live and to die on behalf of all mankind. Just as Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And then Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 say, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Timing is very important. Just ask any person you know that works as a trader on Wall Street and ask them how important is timing. They're going to come back and say, very important. The book of Ecclesiastes that we studied earlier this year uh, says there is a time for everything. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that there is a time for everything? Do we accept this year of COVID-19 as according to God's plan? If we believe this, then we understand that everything that we are experiencing whether it be something big like COVID-19 or something small like getting stuck in traffic, um, is according to God's overall plan. You know, this is what is called the doctrine of the providence of God. 
To borrow the words of scholar T.H.L. Parker, I quote, The doctrine of providence tells us that the world and our lives are not ruled by chance or by fate, but by God, who lays bare his purposes of providence in the incarnation of his Son. The first advent of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus, revealed the deep, amazing love of God for his creation and his people that he created. Love is why God created the world and people, and now love is why he sent Jesus, his son, into the world to live and to die on our behalf as our Redeemer, as our Savior, as Lord. Ever had the experience that something happened in your life and then later you realized it was for a reason? Uh, If it could have been anything, it could have been something good, it could have been something bad, it could have been something unusual, out of place. But later then you realize that it, it happened for a reason, it happened for a purpose. Skeptics would call this coincidence, but if a loving God exists, there is no coincidences. No, it's all according to his plan. And this is an example of God's providence. God's providence simply means that God is looking out for us, especially if we believe in and follow Jesus as Lord. We see God's love and providence through the stories surrounding the birth of Jesus, especially the books of Matthew and Luke, or we could call them the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, provide all we know about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. So let me just say them out, kind of paraphrase them for you, uh, what we know from these two Gospels. Well, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary uh, in Bethlehem. I mean, not Bethlehem, sorry, in Nazareth. And then Mary later visited her relative, Elizabeth. And then an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, you know, you should take Mary to be your wife and not divorce her because only she was with child at that time. And then we learn a census was announced, and Joseph and Mary, uh, who was pregnant, went to Bethlehem to be counted. And then in Bethlehem, Mary gave birth and laid Jesus in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Angels, then we learn, appeared to nearby shepherds that night. Then eight days later, after the birth of Jesus, uh, they circumcised and named Jesus, Jesus. And then 33 days after his birth, uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus go to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice. And we learn here that how poor they are because they only offer two doves. And so therefore we know that the wise men have not arrived yet at this point because they were they received tremendous gifts, as we learned last week. Uh, they would have been considered gifts of wealth. And then after they make the sacrifice, they go back and live in Bethlehem for some time. Um, and then sometime over the next two years, the wise men then visit Mary and Jesus in Bethlehem in their house. And they receive these gifts from the wise men. And then Joseph and Mary and Jesus flee uh, Bethlehem and go to Egypt uh, at night, during the night, which is our text today. And they were able to do this thanks to the gifts 
probably from the wise men. And then Herod killed all the two-year-old and younger boys in Bethlehem. And Herod then later died. And then we learn that Joseph and Jesus and Mary uh, return to Israel, but are warned not to settle in Bethlehem. So they return to Nazareth, um, where they were originally from, and raised Jesus there. So do you see God's love and providence in these stories? God was looking out for them by directing Mary and the wise men and Joseph continually. God ordered the course of events for Jesus and the incarnation. He was arranging all these things. From the biblical point of view, world history and personal life circumstances and stories possess significance only in the light of the incarnation. It all centers on Jesus. All of history centers on Jesus. All of God's plan centers on Jesus. For example, the offensive story in the Old Testament of dealing with the lust in Judah's dealings with Tamar, this is in Genesis chapter 38. Um, this all falls into place in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. Think of Caesar Augustus, who was the Roman, uh, the Roman emperor of the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus' birth. And he calls for a census to be taken, which then causes Joseph and Mary have to go to Bethlehem rather than to stay in Nazareth. And that's where Jesus is born in a manger in Bethlehem. You see, things look like they're not planned at all, but they're all according to God's plan. And all the events now, in today's era, point to the return of Jesus again, when he comes back to judge the world of sin uh, once and for all. We look forward to that. So if you think about it, Christmas is not just about the birth of Jesus, you know, God come in the flesh, the incarnation. No, it's also about how God is involved with mankind because of his love for us. And it's pointing us to when Christ returns, where our hope lies. He's looking out for us. God is looking out for us in Christ Jesus because he created us. And therefore, we are very special in his eyes. God has made each of us for a purpose in his kingdom. Just imagine living every day free from what others think of us. Try to imagine that. I know that is a heavy burden on many of us. It's because God is looking out for you and for me in Christ Jesus. He sent Jesus so that you and I can be forgiven once and for all from all our sin through faith in the Lord Jesus. And that is demonstrated by our following him as his disciple. Jesus taught about how God is looking out for us uh, very practically in Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34, when he taught us not to worry. We are to be free from anxiety because God is looking out for you and for me. This is what he's teaching there. The key is to seek first his, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then trust that God will look out for us and all the other things of life and the things that we need. No need to worry. 
Worry comes from the lack of trust in the love and providence of God. Worry stems from an unbelief that God is looking out for us. And what kind of things do you think, um, when you think about it, that cause worry in your heart, that cause anxiety in, in your heart and in my heart when we think about it? Imagine how it was with Mary and Joseph when Jesus was born. Let's put our, try to put ourselves in their shoes. Having a baby is hard enough for a couple, but then can you possibly think about how it would be of having a, an infant born uh, who you know is the Son of God, the Savior of the world? I mean, there's no training manuals for how to raise this Son who is this Savior. I, I can imagine they just had to simply trust in the Lord God that He would lead them on how to do this. How, how would they even, uh, uh, like when they were told to go to Egypt, they had to just trust that God would take care of them and protect them and, and then someday bring them back to their home in Israel. God has a higher purpose for us than we often even realize. Uh, a purpose that He wants to accomplish through us, for example, in next year, in 2021. What is it that God is calling us to do? What is He calling you to do next year in 2021? How can we be sensitive to his leading with all the opportunities that he is bringing to us next year? The letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 and 17, give us guidance in this, saying, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, God has a plan for you and me, something that will make a difference in the lives of all the people around us, something that will benefit them, uh, especially the people in our community and in our lives that do not follow Jesus. So we need to pray for wisdom to know and, and sense when these opportunities come to us and what it's God calling us to do in this coming year, how we are to be involved in working with Him in His plan in our lives, even if it means doing something that we've never done before. And then to ask the Lord and pray for the courage and strength and determination to do it, whatever it may be. God is calling you to a higher purpose in this coming year. And not only through the involvement of Cornerstone, this community, but also through every area of your life, your work, your family, whether you're living at home with your parents or you have your own family, or with your relationships, with your roommates, or your uh, girlfriend or boyfriend, or your spouse, or your children, or your relatives, whatever it is, God is calling you to follow Him in His purpose in life uh, with your skills and abilities. Uh, have you settled into a routine that is comfortable? Well, then, are, or instead, are you willing to um, take the risk and to improve and to expand how God may be calling you to serve Him through your life? And this is definitely not easy. God did not mean for following Him to be easy, but actually it's, it's a risk. We risk everything. When we follow Jesus, we risk our whole life. 
there's an example uh, of someone who did this, even though life was not easy for her. Um, for example, Johnny Erickson Tata was a teenager. When she was a teenager, she enjoyed doing all the things that teenagers normally do. Uh, she specifically liked riding horses and hiking and tennis and swimming especially. But on July 30th, 1967, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay um, and misjudged the shallowness of the water there. And so she suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels and became a quadriplegic paralyzed from the the shoulders down. Could not move anything from the shoulders down. And even her arms were not uh, very well able to be controlled. So during her two years of rehabilitation, according to her autobiography, she experienced depression and anger and suicidal thoughts and even religious doubts. And however, she did learn to paint with a paintbrush between her teeth. And she even then ended up selling some of her artwork. To date now, she has written over 40 books, recorded several musical albums, starred in a movie about herself, and is an advocate for disabled people. Now, her courageous ministry to disabled people is an inspiration. Uh, if you do some research online about that, this kind, you know, this kind of life that she has now is not anything um, that someone would willingly choose to live as a quadriplegic. But now that Johnny has experienced it at this point in her life, she would not change it if she could. We see in this God's love and providence all throughout Johnny's life when you learn about her life story. When God told Joseph, for example, uh, through an angel to go down to Egypt to flee Bethlehem, you know, it was not an accident, right? It was part of God's gracious uh, plan and purpose. But even more than Joseph realized, in, in a sense, at that point, just saving his own family. But it was for all of us. It was part of God's bigger plan. It wasn't just for Joseph and his family, but it was for the whole of all mankind. It was a plan that saw far into the future. And that is God's love and providence at work. And we must remember this and believe in this with respect to our own life circumstances. The details and circumstances of our lives are all part of God's overall plan. Even when we fail, even when we sin, God has anticipated this in His plan. It's amazing, as Job said, how great is God beyond our understanding. Think of what Joseph and Mary experienced. Again, let's put ourselves in their shoes, in their situation. This sudden move at night to leave Bethlehem, where they had been living for some time. And then and their family's in danger. That's why they're fleeing. So how unsettled it would have been for them. And then another move and more danger as they're returning to Israel. And so they're told by an angel to go and live in Nazareth. Think of the things that we experience in life that are disappointing. You know, there's many disappointments we experience. It could be the loss of a job or not being accepted into the colleges we hope to go to or looking and looking without finding another job. 
our car accidents that happen, our sickness, that, you know, chronic pain, or the death of a family member or friend, um, the inconvenience and the isolation of COVID-19. Everything is a part of God's plan. And this includes the good things and the bad things. Every detail of our lives are wrapped up in the love and providence of God. God's plan often does not spare us from evil. Think of all the terrible things in history that have happened, that God knew about before they happened, before they occurred, and yet he did not prevent them from happening. And we can think of one just eight years ago in December. Uh, It's just past the eight-year anniversary of the unthinkable murders of the 20 young children and six adults at the Sandy Hook Elementary School. Just a horrible situation that happened there. God spared the little child Jesus by moving him into Egypt with his family, but he did not spare all those boys two years and younger in Bethlehem and that area. They were slaughtered. Uh, Jesus' life was spared as a little child, but only later than as an adult, so that he would not be spared from the injustice he faced and and then his crucifixion. Jesus willingly endured evil in order to overcome evil by the ultimate and amazing grace of God, demonstrated through his life and his death specifically. See, God's love and providence provides us with hope in the midst of a fallen world that is affected by sin. God does not shelter us from evil. That's not the purpose at this time in history. But instead, in Jesus Christ, he promises the ultimate victory over evil. Psalm chapter 121, verses 1 through 3 say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. You know, our hope is in Jesus, who came long ago in Bethlehem and who will return himself again. But he came to be an atoning sacrifice for our sin, freeing us from our slavery to our sinfulness and redeeming us and forgiving us in the process by his death and resurrection. And now we have hope when he comes to return as our saving Lord. This is the foundation and the focus of God's love and providence in our lives. He desires to draw all people to Jesus so that they may believe and follow him as their Redeemer and Lord, and then experience an eternity free from evil. Is God looking out for you? We can answer most definitely. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me so that we can be saved from our sins and what they deserve only when we believe in and follow Jesus as Lord. God's love and providence for mankind centers on Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's plan for saving all of mankind from a world of slavery to sin and death. And this 
is ultimately how God is looking out for you. It's in Jesus Christ specifically. So do you believe that God is looking out for you in Jesus Christ? If you do, then you have nothing to worry about. But if you don't, then you have everything to worry about and be anxious about in life. Trust in and follow Jesus as Lord because he is the way, the truth, and the life everlasting. Come, Lord Jesus, and come back soon. This is our hope that we have in him. Let us pray. Lord, as we think of Christmas and we remember the events surrounding your birth, Lord, we're amazed and reminded again of just how much you love us and how much you are looking out for us through every detail of our lives and how you desire and call us to follow you in every area of our life, the everyday stuff of life, that you want to be a part of everything we do and never be pushed aside. Lord, we pray as your community here at Cornerstone, and especially at this time of year at Christmas, that we would contemplate these deep truths, which are you, Lord Jesus. Everything surrounds you, in you, in life, if we are truly following you and love you. Lord, we pray that your spirit would unleash us in 2021 to be even more so your church uh, unleashed to make disciples, to call people to follow you and see fruit of more disciples made by, by being connected to Cornerstone, um, by those in Cornerstone reaching out and being sent out to other places. Lord, we just pray that you would glorify yourself. And we pray that this would be done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Cornerstone family, uh, I can speak on behalf of myself and my wife, May, and Pastor Paul and Ina, his wife, that we wish you a very Merry Christmas this coming week. God bless.